Welcome to The Nourished Nervous System, an exploration of stress, the nervous system, and transformative self-care practices for parents and other humans through the lenses of Ayurveda, holistic coaching, somatic practices, herbs, and much, much more. I'm the host, Kristen Timchak, a holistic life coach, Ayurvedic educator, herbalist, and mother of a tiny human. Please join me for information, insight, deep thoughts, and small steps to help you nourish your nervous system. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Nourished Nervous System. How are you doing this week? Excuse my somewhat nasal voice this week. I am just getting over COVID, which has been a whole thing, which I'll talk about on a future episode. But I want to just begin by circling back to the experiment I've been trying. Uh, So I posed a question for the month with the invitation of you writing in and answering the question. My hope is to learn from each other and create more of a sense of community. I really believe that you don't need to be an expert in something to have something valuable to say about something. And that's something I really want to bring more into this podcast uh, is just the the wisdom that we all have and that we can share with each other. So I've had two brave souls write in, and so I'm going to read the responses. But first, I'm just going to let you know that I'm going to keep the same question for next month because I think it's a valuable one. So the question is, what does self-care currently look like for you? So if you're feeling inspired, please write in so we can all learn from each other. Okay, so you can... If you're willing to share, write to me, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, at nourishednervoussystem.com with the subject line, monthly question, or self-care, or whatever. You can include your name and where you're from, or if you'd like to stay anonymous, please let me know that. Okay, so for this past month, I have two responses The first is from Alex in Seattle, Washington. And Alex says, I'm still learning what self-care looks like for me. For now, it's treating myself to a massage or facial a few times a year, getting a tattoo, walking in my favorite nearby park with my bestie with no time constraints and paint by sticker, which I discovered I really enjoyed through my daughter. I love that so much. So good. I also have recently discovered the paint by sticker through my son and they're amazing, super fun. The next response is from Amy in Bloomington, Indiana. And Amy says, self-care to me lately is a series of daily routines, drinking my infusion of chamomile, nettle, and marshmallow root tea, taking a phone-free walk around my neighborhood, doing stretches and physical therapy exercises while listening to a podcast, audiobook, or watching a show, cuddling with my husband and daughter, and journaling or drawing for a few minutes in the morning while I sit under my sad lamp. So beautiful. Thank you both so, so much for having the courage to write in. I really love hearing from people, and I am constantly inspired by hearing what other people are doing in their worlds. And it helps me remember things that I want to do and in ways that I want to show up. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you stepping up and writing in. 
Okay, so getting into this week's episode. So last week, February 2nd, was in bulk. So I've been thinking a lot about this. It's my first winter in Maine, my first in winter in New England in a really long time. So I've been really tuning in to the seasons as I've been here. And so in bulk was technically last week, and it refers to a pre-Christian Celtic festival that's celebrating the midway point between winter and spring. So this is also the time of year that Christians celebrate Candlemas and the Feast of St. Bridget. It's also the time of year where we have Groundhog Day. And to be honest with you, I'm not actually as interested in the history or religious roots or even the groundhog as I am in the energetics of this time. The fact that there are celebrations and holidays at this time of year points to the fact that there's something to pay attention to here. So this time of year is sometimes called the quickening. We're still in winter here in the Northern Hemisphere in New England, but there is an energetic shift. The days are getting longer, the light is returning, and even though it still very much looks and feels like winter and will for a while here in Maine, there's a small dream of spring beginning to take shape. Gardeners and farmers are looking through seed catalogs and planning for the busy seasons to come. It's still a time of rest, but there is something deeper beginning to stir. In Ayurvedic thought, there are three seasons that correspond to the doshas instead of four. So there's vata season, pitta season, and kapha season. And what we consider winter is split between vata and kapha. So if you need a refresher on Vata and Kapha, you can check out episode three, What the Vata, and episode 10, O Kapha, the Sweet One. Basically, Vata season starts in the fall and goes through the first half of winter. And Vata is made up of air and space. It's characterized by the cold, dry, windy, subtle, airy qualities. As we move into the second half of winter, We also move towards kapha season, which lasts through spring. Kapha is made up of earth and water and is characterized by heavy, dull, cold, wet, slow qualities. So March and April here in New England are the epitome of kapha season. It's what we call mud season here. But the energetic shift starts now. And in Ayurvedic thought, it can be helpful to begin preparing for the next season at the end of the current season. And the reason that we do this is that throughout the season, we're accumulating kapha. So how can I explain this in a way that's just simple and clear? So in fall and the beginning part of winter, we're trying to balance vata. We're trying to balance that airy, cold, um, subtle, light, mobile energy. So we're doing things like eating heavier foods, putting oils on our bodies, a lot of slowing down and resting and routine and and we're doing all these things to balance out that airy quality. So we actually start to accumulate some kapha. If you have a body that has more of a kapha constitution, you might experience this even more so. And so at a certain point, we need to start thinking about how to balance out those accumulations. Because once you're in kapha season, once the energy is kapha, like increases like. So there's just more and more kapha. So you don't want to 
go into a kapha imbalance when we get into spring. So we start this process and the same thing going from spring Kapha is also very cold and heavy and dull. So we're doing things to kind of um, enlighten and brighten and warm Kapha. We don't want to, right before summer, summer is Pitta season. It's a time of fire and it's hot. So we don't want to go into Pitta season with an accumulation of Pitta. So we have to start thinking about things. We have to be a step ahead of the season that we're actually going into, if that makes sense. So I often try to think about food, first of all, like what were people eating in the times before grocery stores? And it's fascinating because the earth really does provide what our bodies need for each season. So in winter, people would primarily eat meat, stored root vegetables, stored legumes and seeds. The food may be heavier, more dense in proteins and nutrients. And there would come a time, probably the end of winter, early spring, when stored food may not be as plentiful and the spring harvest hasn't quite started yet. And so there'd be a time when people would have less to eat because that was just a part of their seasonal dance. And some of the first foods to come up in the spring are bitter greens, which are cleansing and help to activate bile, cleansing the liver and digestive system from that accumulation of heavy foods that built up over the winter months. Today, spring is still a time for cleanses and detoxes for spring cleaning the house. And so why is all of this important? For me, As much as I love living in a modern world where I can go to the grocery store and have so many conveniences literally at my fingertips, I feel more alive when I'm also tuning into the seasons, to the subtle changes that are happening. It can be easy in our modern lives to see time as this continuous strip of going to work, coming home, making dinner. If you have kids, spending some time with the kids before putting them to bed and then having this brief moment to yourself before going to sleep and doing it the next day. And there's nothing wrong with this life, but it can feel monotonous and disconnected. And although many of us don't have the resources to have a different structure to the daily life, for me, tuning into the subtlety of the seasons Remembering that we are cyclical beings and that everything is always changing, even if it sometimes feels the same, helps me to connect to something bigger than my small life. So a part of that for me is recognizing the micro seasons. I first became aware of this while living in California and farming there. Gardening and farming will intimately connect you to the seasons. And so where I lived in California, it was a long, very hot and dry summer that sometimes lasted well into October. It sometimes started in May and it was different every year, but those were the the basics. Sometimes there would be not be any rain from May through October. So working closely with plants and becoming more aware of my own shifting energy levels through the growing season, I noticed that every year, sometime in August, there was this point of time where my energy just dropped off a bit. The beginning of summer in the world around me was all about rapid growth. The plants were growing quickly, putting out new shoots. Some of them were starting to flower. And I felt the kind of manic, pitta, go, go, go energy of that time. 
and was able, and I was able to ride that energy in my work and social life. And then every year at some point in August, the energy around me shifted into fruiting and flowering. The energy of the plants was less about abundant growth and more about reaching completion. And I could feel that I would start to feel tired more easily, that I needed to spend more time alone, that I needed to rest a little bit more. And even though we still had a month or possibly two left of summer weather, we were in this micro season of summer. It was different than the first half of summer. And ayurvedically, this is the time of year that we begin to prepare for vata season. We start to eat things and implement practices that are more grounding and slowing down just a little bit to clear that accumulation of vata before we're fully in the vata season. So now here I am across the country in Maine, and this is my first winter back in New England after 11 years away. And I didn't really have this awareness the last time I lived in New England. I had the Ayurvedic awareness of the seasons, but I didn't have this like really tuning in to the plants and the micro seasons. And so the last time I had a winter like this, winter was just winter. It was long and cold and dark and depressing. But now I can see more subtleties to these micro seasons. The dark days of solstice feel really different than the quickening of in bulk. It's still cold. There's still snow on the ground. I still need to scrape ice off my windshield, but there's an almost imperceptible change. So February and March have always been the hardest months of winter for me in New England. And I think a part of it is this antsiness that I would start to feel in these months. Some part of me that's still connected to the cycles of the earth starts to feel the quickening, the subtle shifts. And maybe it's some innate desire to bring balance to this beginning of kapha season, to start moving a little bit again. But the world outside is still very much winter. It isn't time to go full force. That comes much later. But it's a time of gently waking up. And I'm curious to see how this awareness changes my relationship to this part of winter. After having so much time away from winter like this, I definitely noticed that I have a new appreciation for it. And I think for me, tuning into the season, to the weather every day, to, the, to what's going on outside every day, tuning into like the sky and the birds has helped me to enjoy this winter a lot more so far. So we'll see, we'll see how it keeps going. I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, I think it makes sense that I start to feel a little antsy in this time of year. And if I can start to find and honor this desire for a little more movement, tuning into these things helps me to feel more healthy in my mind and my body by paying attention to seasonal cues and preparing my body for what is next. But it also helps to feed my spirit by helping me feel more human more connected to the natural world. It helps me stay connected to the natural cycles that are happening both within my body and out in the world. And it's been feeling just especially important as I land back into this new yet familiar landscape. For me, this is also a part of, of cultivating resilience. It's creating connection to the world around me 
to being a part of that world, to the grace that comes from honoring that I'm a cyclical being in a certain season. And I know I can sometimes get hard on myself if I'm not as productive or if I feel more tired because there's a certain way that there's some unspoken rule that in our culture that we are the same all the time. And this doesn't actually give space to our humanness. It makes us more like robots and less like the complex creatures that we actually are. And I'm not sure that I'm articulating this well. It may be one of those concepts that needs to grow and live inside your body because I think it's bigger and more ancient than the words that I have for it. And me trying to put it into words, I feel like I'm fumbling around a little bit. But hopefully you understand what I'm saying, that this, this connection to the seasons, this connection to the natural world can help you to feel more alive. It can help you to honor the different ways that we are always changing, that the world is always changing. And I think when we can see, when we can let go of the expectation that our world is always going to be the same, we can be more prepared and more, more resilient when, when our world changes. I'm going to offer you this little seed and maybe it will grow in you as well. Notice the world around you. What are the plants doing? Right now, I can look out my window and the world is covered with snow, but I can see these brown stalks of plants and seeds uh, just sticking up out of the snow. And that those plants are, they're, they're resting, they're dormant. They've gone down into their roots, but they might at this year start to feel tiny stirrings of, of something. I don't know if they do yet, but, but I can imagine that they're, they're still, they're still inward focused. They're still in themselves, but maybe they feel the first stirring of maybe some insects moving around them or, um, just sort of an energetic calling that, that at some point soon things are going to change. I don't know. And so what are the plants doing around you? Even if you live in a city, there are still plants you can notice. What are the birds doing? I've been noticing that some different types of birds have been coming to the bird feeder lately, that maybe some birds are starting to come back to this area. And I notice the sky. How does the sky change? So even if you're in a city, you can notice all of these things. Notice your energy. What are you drawn to doing if no one is looking? What foods are you drawn to eating? And how does this change throughout the seasons? My world is still covered in snow, but I know that in a month, the sap will start flowing in the maples and I will start to see some glimmers of spring. In my own body, in my own body, I feel pretty tired still, but I... I'm noticing that I'm starting to wake up a little bit earlier with the sun and I'm going to sleep a little bit later, just a little bit. I still need my rest, but I'm noticing I'm needing a little bit less of it. I'm, I'm feeling some small glimmers of something stirring deep inside of me that wants more exercise, just a little bit, just a little bit more social connection. 
Not a lot, but it's just, it's beginning. And when we can let go of the expectation that we always need to be the same, that we always need to show up with the same energy and attitude, then we can embrace what we really need. Because the world is always changing around us. Plants don't bloom all year. Even in climates that don't have four distinct seasons, there are different plants that bloom at different times. Different energetics to the different times of year. There's often a rainy season and a dry season. And I think this relates to resilience because when you can realize that everything is always changing, you can be less attached to things being a certain way and you can be more able to adapt and change in the ways that life is asking of you. Life can sometimes feel like a grind. It can feel monotonous and exhausting. So finding the small ways that you can be connected to something bigger than those details of your life can give both perspective and presence. It can help you to feel more alive. And speaking of feeling more alive and of cultivating resilience, I want to let you know about a free resource that I have on my website called the Nourished for Resilience Workbook. And it's basically a what I call the Nourished for Resilience Wheel, which is a tool to help you assess areas of your life where you may need to build more resilience, where you may need to implement different types of self-care. And I'm going from the idea that there are certain things we can do in our life that help to complete stress responses, that help to calm vata and nourish ojas, and that help to increase neuroplasticity. And that when we can implement more of these things into our life, it creates like a net of self-care that can help us over time to build resiliency. So there's the assessment tool, and then there's some reflection questions to help you dig a little bit deeper into areas of your lives and ways that you can actually help to start uh, creating that change. There's also a habit tracker in there to help start to implement some new habits. And it's not meant to be something that overwhelms or more of a to-do list, but of really trying to find the things in your life that you can subtly shift to help create a feeling of being more alive and resilient in your life. So if you're interested, check out www.nourishednervoussystem.com slash resilience workbook. So my small step for this week is to take some time each day to notice the sky and the plants and the birds or other animals around you, what's happening in the natural world. Even if you live in a city, you can notice this and take time to reflect on your own energy levels. How do you feel without judgment or wanting it to change? Just being with how you are in this moment and knowing that inevitably it's going to change. Okay, I hope that made sense and wasn't too much of um, a jumbly mess, but uh, that's just how the brain is sometimes. That's just how it is. Okay, well, I hope you have a really, really wonderful week and I look forward to being back next week. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening. I'm feeling slightly less awkward, but this podcast thing is still a big learning curve. So I appreciate you staying tuned as I learn. If you are enjoying the podcast, please rate and review. It helps me get seen by people besides my friends. And if you are not enjoying the podcast, I hope you're not still listening. 
because life is way too short to listen to podcasts you don't like. 